Hi, this is Barbara Ann of the hit podcast that you chose right now, so you know what it is already. It's Dady Ladies. I wanted to wish everyone a happy Pride Month. Gosh, I gotta be honest, I feel like I'm not as qualified as other people to be the ambassador to gay pride. I came out in college, and aside from uh, running the bi chat group of our GLBA, only three letters, isn't that cute? That was the 90s for ya. I've had very little visibility or engaged in much activism over the last hmm, 25 years. To paraphrase Michael Stipe from R.E.M., another very 90s reference, my sexuality has been the business of me and whoever's sitting on my lap for the most part of my life. It's not easy to come out, and I didn't get the support I was hoping for, so um, I've been largely personal about it. But I do have some things to say about Pride now that I'm a mom. I watch my kids growing up, and I am so struck by how important it is for them to be exactly who they are at all times. And I know I've mentioned that. It's kind of my mission in life to let them be themselves. And sometimes that means that my child who owns a penis tells me that he's a girl, and I say he because the next day he'll tell me he's a boy, depending on how he feels. And I really find it cute when another of my children with a penis likes to wear a little purple circle skirt. It's very, very, very sweet to see chubby little legs coming out of that skirt. And I feel such honor in being able to say yes to that. It's already distressing to see other people in their lives not accepting this. Whatever this is, who knows? They have many years to figure out who they are and what they like. I'm just very aware that someone being who they are needs to be nurtured from the very beginning. So I just I just want to say as a parent to anyone who's struggling with finding acceptance and unconditional love from their parents, your, your parents, parents are 1,000 times 1, 1 billion percent, percent wrong. wrong. That's, that's, that's just it. They're, they're just wrong. wrong. And you deserve all that love and support and pride. And to parents who are struggling, you were not raised to understand, but... That doesn't mean you can't open your mind now. It, it can. You can actually change your brain. You have neuroplasticity. And you have a heart that can be opened. So we have two guests for our second installment of COVID-era Twinterviews. We have Jamie. She is a program manager who works for a tech company in San Francisco, but she swears she's a nice person. She's been married, divorced, done long-distance relationships, lots of online dating, and she's known Vera and myself since we were little teenage goth kids. We went to many, many, many clubs together and experienced a lot of manic panic and clove cigarettes. And then our other guest is Matt, who is an editor and the co-creator and co-star of a web series called Sub Buds. It's a very funny series. The amount of effort it takes to make it look that chaotic. You'll have to just watch it for yourself. Um, it's on Instagram and YouTube now. Sub Buds. Uh, he's our second guest, our first person with a penis who has been involved in our show and we're very excited to have him. Dady Lady. Elizabeth. How are you? I just have one question. How are you? Is this our first drinking cast? You know, I've only taken three sips of wine, and is it a drinking cast? Yeah. 
so let's get real. How is your week? What do you, what would you like to say? Do you have any twin sites? Well, I have some twin sites about our love in the time of cholera episode. Um, mm-hmm. I made two grave mistakes. What were uh, they? The first one was I said that French kissing takes two to tango. What I should have said is it takes two to tango. <laughs> You know what? You're absolutely right. You really should have said that. But luckily we have twin sites, so now you can make it all better. Yeah. Thank you. My second one was you told a story about Roger Daltrey and his long-term, long-time wife and uh, how perhaps he was not 100% faithful to her. Uh, not perhaps. He, he said. <laughs> it wasn't a perhaps. He, he said. Well, then I should have referred to him as Roger A. Daltrey. <laughs> So, two big errors huh. on my part. I see. Hmm. I'm just putting them out there. Just putting them out there. You know what I'm those. grabbing? I'm snatching them out of the air, and now they're mine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, in our last twin interview with Lisa and Candace, Lisa talked about going to a wedding on Zoom, and I did that last Friday. Tell me about it. It was cool. It was for our friends Marsha and Conrad, and they uh, invited me on Facebook, and I showed up. I, I got dressed up. And I showed up on Zoom. I really didn't know a whole bunch of her friends. So I didn't give too many toasts. <laughs> I just kind of watched. And, and she was sitting there with her mom and her fiance in front of a camera that was on her computer. And then they had a second computer where they had the officiant. Wow. Yeah. So they kind of had like the two two um, angles going. And it was really sweet. And she looked absolutely beautiful. And he looked really cute. And after they did the ceremony, they had people talk and they put out a call for like who has uh, the most experience being married and what kind of advice can you give? And I wanted to share the two pieces of advice that I heard. Would you like to hear them? Mm-hmm. Okay. The first one, a dude just said, you got to be patient, but he also said, you got to listen to your wife because she's the boss. Huh. Huh. So they've been together for a while. So the second couple have been together for 39 years and they said that they started out as friends it's important that you stay friends and you should have some hobbies together Mm, i like that yeah so i thought i'd share that with the datey lady listening audience okay yeah all right datey lady colon colon, twitter views you go ahead and have as much wine as you need (laughs) I was like, depending on which stories, you're just like, oh. But I'm so glad that you're talking about this because I've been curious. What were you doing before this happened? Before this happened, I was in my, it's probably not them, it's me phase of my <laughs> dating, where um, I was really relating to uh, some stories that Barbara was sharing, you know, where you just kind of look and it's like, oh, I, I can't tell if, if the world is a nightmare or if I'm the nightmare. And so I just like, I know people can, won't be able to see my face, but it really was like, no, no, <laughs> no, yuck, no, oh God. No. And then feeling just like all these different feelings of like, am I being too choosy or like, you know, what is, yeah, like how much of this is judgmental and how much of this is like, no, these people are providing you a gift, you know, when you look at online dating profiles, it's tough to make a decision about somebody just looking at these limited things, but they're also really giving you a gift that you don't always get when you meet folks in person because of like, you know, 
the way that they present themselves. And, and a lot of times people who will just directly say, won't do, not interested in, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes in, in dating people, you know, when you meet them face to face, it can be weeks before you get that kind of key information about like things that they will not put up with. What is more of an indicator? The face? The, like the visual? <laughs> no, I mean, there's, <laughs> that can be a very strong cue. Or it were reading, like what would you say is more more of a cue that this is not, you don't need to waste your time on us? I knew exactly what you meant. And it wasn't <laughs> like the face, like, is that a babe or is that furiously not a babe? Like, I'm going to give it to face. And that kind of bums me out because I came from, like, I've, I've had experiences with online dating for a long time. I met my ex-husband online a million years ago, like through a mutual like website friends. Mm -hmm. Like, so before I think even like my space or friend story, it was like my friend Eileen linked to his site and I liked his site and he found mine and he liked mine. Oh, wow. And so it was this very like nerdy, sweet kind of connectivity to it. And I loved stuff like OkCupid or like even like makeout club or a friendster, you know, stuff where you're really digging into profiles and the person's picture would help like shape it. But you're really looking at like, what are their top favorite bands and like what, you know, what albums do they love and like what places do they want to travel? So I had always been like, I'm never going to be a person that would just decide based on face. But I think that's because I was looking at it as like a way of being judgmental of how someone looks naturally. But that isn't really what it is, right? Like there's a lot of facial expression and positioning of themselves in the photo. So lots of, lots of Machu Picchu, like so much <laughs> Machu Picchu. Um, you know, lots of, I am in an ocean of banging opposite or same sex as me. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, he's just in the middle and then there's an ocean of beautiful women around him, I guess, which is intended to say that like, look, this is the kind of pull that I get. Don't you want to be a part of this? Like, that's something that I don't have to read the profile <laughs> to know that works. Like, I don't want to think that that won't work for him, but it clearly shows that it won't work for me. So I think that's really helpful. Yeah. But it, definitely sometimes can make me feel like I'm turning into the person with a list. Like if you are a guy who is doing a handstand on the top of Machu Picchu, that's super cool. And like a hundred percent is never going to be me. And I think that's kind of handy. Mm -hmm. It's a way of trying to determine more things that are like a layer too deep from the picture. So it's not at least like, I don't date dudes who pop collars or I don't date dudes who this. I've been in situations before, and I think you probably have too, where you don't, it's not until you get to know somebody that they have like a hobby or a particular thing that they're into that is so something you're not into that you don't even have the ability to fake interest. Do you have an example of that? Gosh, I was, I think I was like 18 at the time and I was dating this guy and he's a total sweetheart. And maybe about three weeks in, he told me, he's like, I'm really into D&D. And I was like, that's cool. I have a bunch of friends who were into it. And he said, but I'm really into LARP, like live action role playing. And I said, you know, in my very delicate 18 year old way, oh my God, that's so stupid. So let's just agree that you do that on your own and don't tell me and I won't make fun of you so I won't be a jerk and I won't ruin your good time but that means that you can't really like come and talk to me about it because I have like no tolerance I just think it's so ridiculous kind of a dick move but I was like okay we're negotiating but then we as we go on further I continue to find little things like um I found a pair of white tights in the back of his car and I thought that they were my tights you know and and, and then I found like uh, some spirit gum and I found a little horn oh. like a little silver unicorn horn and then I look at him and I have like the tights and I have the, the horn and I kind of look at him like very uh, after school special like what are these like what, what can you explain this to me <laughs> you found his paraphernalia <laughs> I did 
and he just kind of seized up and he got like really shy and really nervous and embarrassed. And he said, you told me to never tell you. You told me you never wanted to know. And now I look back and I have such affection for that. Yeah. But I was so aghast. And I just think about now, that guy would probably say, I LARP. Sometimes I dress up like a unicorn and I would be like, I see you. I celebrate you. I'm on my way. Right. And it would all be good. (laughs) So, you know, Corona, this quarantine happening is kind of how I got back on because I was so curious to see, like I'd been on Tinder and not really liked it. It is very sort of pickup culture-y, but I was curious, like, what does a pickup look like? Like when nobody can leave their house, like how are people trying to navigate? Like, is it maybe going to give people an opportunity to really focus on like the emotional connection and flirtation that you build with a person? Or is it going to become like new creative ways? to bang and it is both (laughs) I'm glad to report like I in some weird way I'm like happy that like that sexual instinct still finds ways to thrive and flourish so you know I've talked to a handful of people where as soon as you kind of get into like what's now the equivalent of age sex and location you know like hey where are you at what are you looking for Mm -hmm. which is pretty much the same thing I generally say like probably not what you're looking for but if you don't mind I'm curious to see like what would you want to come out of this and have heard some people talking about they have used Zoom as like a way to almost like replace like a phone sex kind of situation. So it's like a cam girl type of thing, a cam girl and cam guy. Yeah, that that like sort of mutual masturbation via Zoom. God bless you. I have a hard time talking to my workmates (laughs) on a phone. (laughs) I'm already worried about the very little that you see of me. It's like, how are my bangs and how are the chins and like, where's the nose at? And just the concept of like all of the other angles, but like people are out here figuring it out. I mean, I imagine you could just like train the camera on one one specific part if you wanted to like <laughs> you could get pretty selective about that and in, in reality I think you're probably right like I think this is all of my imagination that's got this like weird glamour shots like <laughs> backdrop and somebody's lit and they're leaning back and there's like a boa and they're just like ready to present themselves when in reality it's probably a phone pointed right at your giny <laughs> and it's just like this is what's happening And I just have such a cinematic imagination. I just think it's like, oh my gosh, this is so like lush and erotic. And like, of course you do. Probably not. Probably not. Now that I've opened your eyes to the possibilities, (laughs) do you think you'd be a little more into that? I mean, I feel like, you know, that's one of those things where you're like all of the pieces together, sometimes you struggle, but vagina alone, I feel like always just is really strong. Yes, exactly. a good angle for most people. It's just like, yeah, just straight giny pick. Like, you know, I don't know. Um, no, I can't. I get so embarrassed. Like mm-hmm. I like the fact that I said giny pick twice, like I'm already <laughs> like, oh my God. But I do kind of love that people are really open in talking. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised by how many people didn't like immediately disconnect with me when I was like, I don't want to send you giny pics. They're like, okay, cool. You want to hear about other vagina pics I've got? And like, sure. So you go on profiles, you find people that don't have pop collars. You say yes. <laughs> So what goes after that? Do you take it further than typing? Do you do chatting? Like, do you do video chatting? Yes. I think most people, once their 
they're like, hey, I like you, you like me. There's either a telephone number involved. So more so, I think people are using apps like Kick. I don't know if you've heard about this. Uh-uh. So Kick is kind of a, like a WhatsApp sort of app that people use as a go-between so that you have the ability to call people, send photos, attachments, which a lot of apps won't allow you to do, but to have that app act as a middleman. So if at any point you're uncomfortable, this person doesn't have your actual phone number and you can disconnect. And it's basically all of the functionality of phone number, but without revealing that piece of privacy. All right. Some folks will do that. And then you kind of text a little bit. I did Zoom, have a Zoom date with someone who was super nice. He's really into yoga. And so he was recommending that we do a yoga class together. Okay. He was like, I found a video and then we can both hit play at the same time. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cute. Like, I'm not mad at that. That's sweet. Yeah. I was like, okay, is this what romance looks like now? Like, okay, I can do it. So it was very cute. But I don't know how regional this is, but San Francisco is very heavy in the polyamory, which is fine. Just, you know, not my particular, it's like, pop callers. Like, it's like, I see you. It's not for me. (laughs) So I'd look and it's like, you know, someone will say I'm poly or I'm looking for secondary or, you know, looking for a partner. And that's generally like a clue to me that I'm like, ah, this is not for me. But this fella had just said that he was looking for romantic friendships and connections, looking for emotional before physical. And I was just like, you know, just like hearts, like, oh, this sounds amazing. And then he, after meeting and and making plans for the uh, Zoom yoga event, Mm -hmm. he had mentioned his wife. Oh. And I was like, how is his wife doing? You know, how's your wife doing with all of this? And he said, you know, she's she's great. She totally understands. It just like she will always have the ability to veto anybody that I'm seeing. So you kind of have a one-on-one relationship with him, but then there's this hierarchy. And then there's this person who's your partner who is in a position to determine whether or not she's comfortable with the series of dating. And I already feel like pretty open-minded when I was like, oh, are you seeing somebody else? Cool. Like that's fine with me. That's 50% less person to deal with, I guess. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out the silver lining. (laughs) But yeah, so there's just, it's just all these sort of things. And these things are apparently very normal. Like I am a big square when it comes to this. I'll tell stories to other folks and they're like, yeah, dude, that's what's out there. Like that's, what do you care if she's cool with it? You know? And I'm like, well, I I don't know. Sometimes it becomes almost like a philosophical question. It's just like, if it doesn't bother her and if I'm getting like a need met, Mm-hmm. even though it won't be the ultimate need that I have, maybe you can scratch an inch, right? Like people date, what's the difference? What is the ultimate need? Is it a marriage or somebody who's going to be with you all the time? Is it cheesy as it might sound? I want somebody else on my team. Like I'm very big on like, I want team Jamie and whoever. And that not everything has to be done together. Hopefully a lot of things aren't. And then there's freedom for each of us to go out and sort of explore creatively and to have our own group of friends. But fundamentally, we like sort of come back together and we withdraw energy and affection from the same place. And then we empower and build each other up to go back out in the world and be the people that we need to be in the best way. And like, you know, I think marriage would be nice, but like I did that before. It's okay if I don't do it again. So you need, you need a home. Yes. You're, you need a homeboy. You need your base, right? <laughs> I, I, I need a homeboy. I say this all the time. Yeah. I was like, what's up with homeboy? <laughs> I need a homeboy. But no, absolutely. I think you, you, you said it perfectly. It's this idea of home base. It's sort of the way that I feel about my friendships as well. It's like, I sort of understand that there are experiences outside of us, but there is something special about the two of us 
us having something unique. And then certainly in a romantic experience, just to know that that is the one thing that we have between us. I think there's something really sweet to it. And I understand the argument for like thinking about, is there another way to do it? But like, I just ultimately just kind of want to be cute and sweet with somebody in one spot and then have the kind of person where you go into the party, you split up, you get your even amount of stories and you come back at the night and you share the stories and then you go to bed. Like that app, I want that app. That sounds amazing. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm one of the co-stars on Subbuds on Instagram and now YouTube. Uh, we have like five views. It's been up for a while. <laughs> so when you're not heavy in production uh, for Subbuds, you are in a, are you in a long distance relationship? Yes, now it's a long distance relationship. I thought of you uh, for these interviews because we spoke a couple weeks or it was like a week before we all were sent home and you said, hey, I'm really excited. I think I'm starting up a relationship with someone from my past. And then we all got locked up. And basically the only thing I knew about her is that she's out of state. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm just so curious how how you're faring with being sequestered at home and... Uh, yeah, it's kind of a, an insane story. So I kind of met her my senior year of high school and we have on and off been dating for the last 16 years. But the thing that's really exciting and I think we, we sort of talked about for a second was that book that you and Vera had talked about in one of your earlier episodes, uh, the book Attached, actually changed things in my brain for the better. There was like a lot of things I had to realize why her and I weren't working out We've broken up so many times. And there's and there's like years where she was, you know, dating other people for years or she, you know, she lived in Chicago for two years. But she was in LA for a bit a couple of years ago. And of course we like gravitated back together, another awful end. And then um, it was kind of like she dated a guy and then just before she left town again, we reconnected and something in our thirties changed a bit where the two of us didn't take ourselves too seriously. And we started to just hang out as sort of friends and then friends with benefits. And then it wasn't until the weekend before she moved back, uh, we're like, we realized like, oh, we're something new, something new's happening but we're not sure what. And then finally continuing to like talk and her visit me and me visit her. I started to read, I read that attachment styles book attached and I started to realize that like I went about relationships in the completely wrong way because the reasons that I broke up with her in the past were the reasons that I'd always ruined most of my relationships. And it wasn't until realizing that like I'm an anxious avoidant. In the book, it has examples of, of patients of these, of these people that like had these certain kind of meltdowns or certain reactions to things. And I was like textbook uh, avoidant. And it was reading that where I realized two things, uh, the avoidant thing about my communication issues and two, I was always under the impression, and I don't know if a lot of people have this problem, but I was always under the impression that, that relationships that are successful, they're just easy. And I think it, it royally screwed me up because I, if something wasn't easy in a relationship, I figured we're not getting along, we're done. So with all that new knowledge, like talking to her was a whole new world. And it was almost like we both, we both used to be very stubborn and that's why we'd fight and break up. So no one would put up the white flag. And it's almost like now we realize that we're both okay putting up white flags and I have to say, like, because of all that new knowledge, I, for the first time in our, like, 16-year run, have felt like myself, and I felt like we're in a real relationship. And it's kind of, it's like, you know, it's, I mean, it's my luck to have all this happen in the middle of a quarantine pandemic. So what is that like? You have this excitement about being back together with this person, but you cannot touch them. Well, she has, she has come and visited. So it was rough again. So I, I had the knowledge that, like, 
okay, we got to communicate. And she was starting to say the same things. Like, yeah, she realizes we need to communicate better and we want to be together. But at the beginning of the pandemic, when we had to start, you know, being quarantined in our own homes, I live alone. And I don't know, I, I guess I didn't realize the amount of anxiety that I would feel from, from this pandemic and for like the world. So I was just sort of dying inside, but not realizing it. And it was getting to that point where I needed to like communicate with her. Like, it, like a few weeks in, she surprised called me and she's like, hey, I'm about to jump in the car and I'm just going to drive to you, which was the first thing that started to like really make my brain think like this person is amazing. Well, I did not realize who she was and how caring and she wasn't in so many ways. So she drove down and we had a weekend together and it was really nice. And we did touch. With masks on, I'm sure just saran wrap around me gloves very safe <laughs> so then um so then a few weeks went by and i don't know i think it was like more just me feeling like oh we're, maybe we're not connecting or something like that so a couple weeks that went by and uh she came back again and visited me again and like i don't know it just didn't feel like we were connecting i was going in back into my own head about like oh you know what this isn't working like we're back maybe this is maybe that we break up all the time for a reason and uh so she left and it left on a weird note and there was sort of like a sourness growing in me. And I, I called her. I was like, hey, maybe we should do like a virtual date. We play like a, a, a game over Zoom. Or we, we just got to do something other than just talk about the same few things on the phone. And uh, we had this like virtual date and it wasn't really fun. Her roommate just kept coming in. It was this whole, which it really should have been. It really was fine. It's just my brain was just looking for like, like, oh, something's not right. I don't think we're working. And I was kind of almost looking for what's not working. Mm -hmm. And so that night ended and I just, I was just ready to be like resentful. All the parts of an avoidant personality were going to come out. And it took me like three hours. I was just trying so hard. I was like, I need to write something. I can't be like avoidant anymore. And it took me three hours to write this to write this text. Um, and I just kept rewriting it because I didn't want it to seem like, like too, like, oh, it's your fault and all. I don't want all this pointed, you know, stuff. I worked so hard to write this text and it still wasn't quite right, but I was like, I have to just send out like an SOS. And so the next day she uh, it totally, I mean, I knew it would, it would ruin her day of work, but she saw this text and she wrote me like, I am at work. Like, I, I really want to respond correctly. Like, but then we had the most amazing talk where that was the moment is what I'm trying to build to is that was the moment where she just like basically said, your situation sucks. Like I see you, you know, for the first time ever, like just said all the right things. Like just, she basically was like, I acknowledge who you are and like that you that your situation is rough. You know, you usually go out with friends and you have a lot of things you do outside of your house. And now you're stuck in your house and you can't see anybody. But, but the point was that, that was the first time she'd ever like, we'd ever had like a deep conversation like this. Like that was the real first where like we connected and I, that's when I realized I was like, I, I want to, I want this to work in this now. And, and that was when I put my both feet in, you know, I, I dipped both feet into like, I want a date. And like, ever since it's just felt so good. And we've never been to this point where like, we both made a conscious effort to make it work. Do you think maybe this distance has helped you guys kind of process information? Like you have a little bit more time. It's not so immediate. Absolutely. I, I would imagine you'd value your time together a lot more too. Yeah. Yes, yes to both. You know, I'll speak mostly for me, but, but a little bit for her, like we were both very reactionary. We've, we've always both been very reactionary. That's why we've like always fought and escalated. And the nice thing about this is this has been practice feeling something negative and then taking a, a breath alone and processing and then communicating correctly. Instead of like, if we were in the same place, we might still get in a big fight. But like right now it's like, 
you know, like that text I told you about that, that was like my SOS text was like, I worked really hard on it, but she took it really, you know, she was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what is, ha- are we breaking up? But it was like, she got a chance to like digest. I also got to digest. So like when we talked at the end of the day, it was like a great conversation. Because you've had the same dynamic for such a long time, how uncomfortable is it now to be vulnerable with each other? I'm assuming that in the past you've been like, well, this may work for a couple months or a year or whatever, but it's finite. Is that scary at all? No. No, it's, yeah, it's definitely like, you're totally right. It like used to feel like, okay, we'll try it. And I had no vision of the future. And now, and it's such a weird thing to say, but now it's like so easy to be vulnerable. Oh, there was another thing I was going to mention earlier, but I don't know if it's important. Back with my, my screwed up brain, I also like had the impression growing up that like being in a really good relationship was essentially, I didn't, I didn't label it this way when I was younger, but it was essentially being codependent, being two people that are inseparable. Maybe that was things I saw in like romanticized on TV or movies or something, but that was another problem where like we have a lot in common. We do, but like there's a lot of little things we don't like in terms of like certain movie tastes, um, certain like for a while music, like we had like things that were like just different and I used to get really frustrated when I was a lot younger where I was like, oh, we're not going to work because we're not the same. We're like, now it's, I look at her and I'm like, she's a great like kind of puzzle piece for me. But yeah, anyways, so a lot of this is coming from excitement because it's like, like I just assumed like, oh, I'll meet somebody and it'll just be easy. You know, and this has just been so great that like, oh, it's not like that. Like I need to look at the person for who they are and, and appreciate like what we are together rather than like checking off all these things on, on on a list and you know, whatnot. But but overall, um, I think the fact that like definitely for me, like I want to make it work will make will, will makes me a lot less scared for when it when things start to move forward again. Um, but in terms of of yeah, in terms of now, it's like you know, it, like long distance is absolutely the worst. <laughs> yeah. So there's your really long story about the most drawn out relationship of my entire life. Perfect. 